Hello, and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast about how to plan a magical Disney vacation on a shoestring budget. This week, I'll get you to Orlando and back again while staying under budget as I tackle transportation costs involved with the Disney World vacation. I'll also answer a reader question about an Epcot dining package. Welcome again to episode four, everyone. I'm Leah, the blogger behind The Budget Mouse and The Frugal South. I visit Disney World several times each year and I'm not rich. I just have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve. So I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my site and here in the podcast. This week, I'm sharing my hacks and tactics for saving money on transportation to and from the Orlando area. So let's get to the show. My goal every time I go to Orlando is to get through those magical gates that say welcome to Walt Disney World as easily and cheaply as possible to start enjoying my vacation. So today I'm tackling how to do that. The main question being, should I fly or should I drive to get to Orlando? Now, this depends on several factors. First, how far away you live, how many people you're traveling with, and how affordable it is to fly to Orlando from where you live. First, I'll say you must know how much you're going to spend, the actual true cost of both before you can make a comparison. So what to consider about driving is not just gas, but wear and tear on your car. Federal government estimates that that is about 56 cents per mile. I'm going to use 50 cents per mile to estimate. So a 2,000 mile round trip from New Jersey to Walt Disney World will cost you about $1,000 in wear and tear on your car and gas. Another thing to consider is lost time at work due to the extra travel time that you'll need. If, for example, you need an additional two days of driving, then that is more time you may have to take off work. Also, you'll want to consider the parking fees at your hotel. Fortunately, Disney now charges a parking fee at their hotel as of last month. It's depressing, I know, but it was inevitable, I think, that they would jump on board with this practice. Value resorts cost $13 a night to park a vehicle. Moderate resorts are $19 a night and deluxe resorts are $24 a night. Now you will not be charged the parking fee when you're camping at a when you're parking at a campsite or if you rent DVC points, there will be no parking fee. I've had this confirmed by the broker that I work with to rent DVC points that people are not being charged parking when they're staying on a DVC reservation. So many off-property hotels also charge a parking fee that can range from $5 to $25 per night. So you really need to look into that as you're making a decision about where to stay. Also, parking at the theme parks costs $20 a day. So that can easily add $100 to your transportation costs if you are driving. So when you're considering how much it will cost for you to drive to Walt Disney World, please consider not just gas, but wear and tear on your car, your lost time at work, parking fees at the hotel, and the theme parks. So when you add all that up, can you fly for less? Maybe. So let's look at flying now. There are two airports close to Walt Disney World. They are Orlando International Airport with the abbreviation MCO. It's about 30 minutes from Walt Disney World. And there's a smaller airport in Sanford, which is only served by Allegiant Airlines and maybe some other regional brands, but it's about 45 minutes from Walt Disney World. Now, many airlines fly nonstop to Orlando. The best way to find that is to do a search. I use Google Flights to look for non-stops from your closest airport to Orlando. Now, there's two ways to go with 
getting to Orlando on the cheap on an airplane, and that is paying for your flights versus using points and miles. Now, I am a big points and miles fan. This is probably a topic for a whole nother show is how to use points and miles to get to Walt Disney World. But my plan, my tactic is this when I'm looking at points and miles. First, I find which airlines fly nonstop. Then I look for their co-branded credit card. For example, for me, Delta and Southwest and Frontier fly nonstop from Raleigh-Durham, which is our closest airport here in North Carolina. Um, I look for credit cards that are partnered with those airlines that fly nonstop. Now, credit card bonuses are the way to get large sums of frequent flyer points and miles, which you can use to fly your family to Disney World. I have them all (laughs) because I use this tactic frequently to get to and from Orlando. Um, The Southwest credit card is my all-time favorite. You can read about it on the Frugal South a lot. I write about it a lot because it's such a good deal. So a 50,000 point bonus is a good bonus for the Southwest credit card. 50,000 points on Southwest will be enough to, for up to seven round trip flights to Orlando from Raleigh-Durham. Those are one-way flights starting at 3,500 points. So you could fly a family of seven to Orlando and back again just on one sign-up bonus. You will pay taxes and fees on each ticket, which is $11.20 round trip with Southwest. I mean, it's just a great way to save money if you're traveling frequently, especially to Orlando. I have accumulated over 150,000 <laughs> points on Southwest by taking advantage of sign-up bonuses on these credit cards. So if you want more information about that, just go to the Budget Mouse or the Frugal South and search for Southwest credit card and you can read all about how I do this. Now, paid flights. As I already mentioned, I use Google Flights to research the best prices. You do have to search separately for Southwest flights because they are not on any searchable site such as Google Flights. I like to play with the number of nights that I'm staying to find the best option for cheap airfare. Now, low-cost airlines such as Frontier, Spirit, and Allegiant do all fly to Orlando. Allegiant, however, flies into Sanford. Um, Just a warning about extra costs when you're comparing these low-cost airlines to traditional airlines. Seat assignments, bags, and any drink on board are extra. A good tip is to only pay for the bags that you absolutely need if your family you know, would all normally take their own bags, try and combine them all into one bag. As long as it's under 50 pounds, then you only have to pay for that one bag. Um, Another hack for Frontier I have to mention. I fly Frontier a lot and I really like them. I've only had one bad experience with them and it was just a long delay, four hour delay getting home from Cleveland one time. But otherwise, I've flown on them over a dozen times. They've been great. There are seats on Frontier that are immediately behind the exit rows that have a full-size tray table. One of the annoying things about Frontier are these tiny, tiny tray tables that are really only big enough to hold your cell phone and a drink. But you can pay extra to be in rows that have the full-size tray table. However, you don't have to pay extra to be in the seats directly behind the exit row and you'll get the full-size tray tables. Just a little tip. 
So for Frontier, I strongly suggest signing up for their email newsletter. They're almost always offering a promo code that can drastically reduce the cost of your flight with them. For example, today it was 75% off the base rate. Um, Usually they don't offer these promo codes until about six weeks before the trip. So you have to be willing to wait to book airfare. I know people live on the edge for the excellent deals, but I think it's worth it. I've used them a lot. Another question I often get asked about booking airfare to Orlando is when to buy your ticket. It really just depends. I was researching flights for September or October to go down for Food and Wine Festival, and now I'm recording this. It's early May, and the best flight deals on Delta, I was looking at Delta, were good through July, and then the prices jumped up starting in August. So about a two-month window is when they're offering the lowest prices. So, I mean, I personally wait. I have my dates in mind, and if I have my reservation, hotel reservation booked, then I'm looking for particular dates, but I think it's fine to wait until less than two months before your trip to book your airfare. I think you are in this day and age going to get the best deals if you wait till then to book. Unless it's like a very crowded popular time of year when you're worried about the flights selling out. And I mean, that does happen around the holidays. So in general, though, somewhere in that six to eight week window before your trip is a great time to book. We almost always fly to Orlando from Raleigh-Durham and expect to pay less than $150 per person round trip. Sometimes that's as low as $120 per person on Southwest and Delta and Frontier. So if you're kind of wondering what's a good price range to look for, I'd say from most markets, you probably can on a good sale, find a ticket for $150 per person round trip. All right, so let's say you got cheap airfare and now you are at Orlando International Airport and you have to get to Walt Disney World. So there are three ways to get around. You can rent a car, you can use Disney transportation if you're staying at a Disney resort, or you can use Uber or Lyft, which can now both pick up at the airport. For a rental car, I use the site Auto Slash to find the lowest rates. You enter the date and the car type and your email and they will actually email you a link to their unpublished lowest rates. I have found half price car rentals through them and it's excellent and I don't think a lot of people know about it so autoslash.com is a great way to find the best rates for car rentals. I've found that four to six weeks before your trip is the best time. Um, I strongly suggest looking for a car rental agency that's on the airport property so you don't have to take a shuttle to get the car. For me, that's just not worth it, even if I'm saying a little bit of money for the extra hassle. Uh, More advice about renting a car. I would suggest paying the extra daily cost for using the SunPass so you can bypass the toll booths, and there are many between the airport and Disney World. For a shorter trip, it makes sense to pay the extra 4 to $10 per day. Now, if you're there for a longer trip, 10, 7, 10 days, I might suck it up and stop at the toll booths and bring a bunch of quarters with you because you're looking at, you know, a $70 to $100 charge total for the toll for the Sun Pass. And I think it's $2.50 each way to stop at the toll booths, but it is a big pain in the neck. So remember about the rental car that you're likely going to have to pay to park it at your hotel and at the parks. So add that up, those additional costs when you're comparing renting a car and flying versus any other option. When we stay uh, at a Disney resort, we never rent a car. We use 
Disney Transportation. The Magical Express is the coach bus service that transfers you to your Disney resort from the from the airport and back again. They transfer your luggage separately for free, so you don't have to go and pick it up at the baggage carousel. You can also check in for your flight at the resort, and anyone can use that even if they're not riding on Magical Express, but you can also check your bag at the resort, have your bag sent on ahead to the airport, which is an amazing and wonderful service. The most annoying thing about Magical Express, though, is that they'll pick you up three hours before your return flight, and for that reason, I sometimes don't take it back to the airport, and I take Uber or Lyft. So this is a fairly new option. They're ride-sharing apps you can have on a smartphone. The app connects you to a local driver who agrees to pick you up at the location you specify in the app, which can be as particular as outside of your building at your Disney resort, which is wonderful. There are designated pickup spots at the parks as well. I've had great experiences with both of them. I've used them a lot in Orlando. I use them, if we're staying on property, we don't have a car, so I use them to get from resort to resort for dining or to check out other resorts. I have used them to get to the airport directly from the parks instead of Magical Express, and I've used them to get to early morning park openings. For example, when I arrived at Animal Kingdom Park last year at 6.30 a.m. to go to Pandora, I took an Uber to get there instead of a Disney bus, they are iffy running that long or that early before the parks open. If you are new to Uber or Lyft, I suggest waiting to sign up for the app about a week before your trip because you can often get a free ride right after you sign up. And of course, I'd love it if you use the, my links to sign up and you can find them by searching for Uber and Lyft on the blog. The cost to use Uber and Lyft generally to anywhere on Disney property is going to be $7. It can range up to 10 or even sometimes 12 if you're going from a far reach to, to another far reach of Disney World. Um, to get to the airports, you're looking at about $25 to get you from Disney to the airport. And it's a little bit more to pick up at the airport because they tack on fees for picking up at the airport. So maybe $30 to get from the airport to your Disney resort. But if you're talking about a group or a family, that's a great bargain. You can also get larger vehicles for a little bit more that will seat up to eight people. You can get Ubers with car seats. Um, it's a great option that I strongly suggest giving a try on your next trip. I also have to mention another option, which is to fly and drive. So Florida sees this influx of rental cars in the winter months to accommodate all of the snowbirds, the people who come and spend the winter months in the south. For that reason, rental car companies need a larger part of their fleet in Florida in the wintertime. So they offer great deals for people who are doing one-way rentals headed south in the fall and then headed back north again in the spring. You can sometimes get car rentals for $5 a day or $10 a day for your whole entire trip if you're willing to drive it back to where it needs to go. It's called repositioning their fleet. So that's something to look into. I know this spring, 
all of the major car companies that have any substantial fleet in Florida did offer this one-way deal. So something to think about if you're willing to drive one way and you need a rental car anyway, that is a great way to save. You could save potentially hundreds of dollars on a rental car if you're willing to drive it back to where it needs to go. So some final thoughts on flying versus driving. Really, you just need to evaluate what's going to be more enjoyable for you. If you have no problem turning over the reins to someone else, take Disney transportation, sit back. You don't even have to think. You can let them take you anywhere. But if you'd like to be in control, driving might be more for you. You have to consider how much time you have, the extra time involved with driving. And do you have any nostalgia with driving to Walt Disney World? You might remember when you were a kid, your family loaded up the car and you all drove the 12 hours to Walt Disney World. And that's part of the vacation experience for you. It's just something else to consider. Now on to our reader question. David asked a great question over at the Frugal South. He said, we are planning a trip to Disney World this December and wanted to do the candlelight processional dining package. My 180 day mark is coming up for ADRs in a couple of weeks. Should I go ahead and get the 8 a.m. Garden Grill reservation right at 180 days or do I need to wait until a separate sale of candlelight processional reservations open up? This is a great question, David, and a good chance to talk about this special dining package at Epcot. So the Candlelight Processional is a special event at the holidays at Epcot. It is three nightly performances of of the Christmas story with a massive choir, a live orchestra, and a celebrity narrator. It runs from the day after Thanksgiving until December 30th, at least in years past, and it is free with admission. So lines build very quickly for the three nightly performances of the show, which are at 5 o'clock, 6.45, and 8.15. And often people have been waiting in line for an hour plus will get turned away from seating. The best way to get to be sure you're getting a seat for the show is to purchase a candlelight processional dining package, which some people call the dinner package. Last year, Disney offered candlelight processional dining packages for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at certain restaurants in Epcot, and they were offered every day that the processional took place. With the package, you get a meal at the table service restaurant, includes an entree, beverage, and dessert, or a full buffet. You'll also get a ticket for each person in the party that guarantees great seats for that evening's candlelight processional. So each reservation course to a certain concert for the evening and most often the earlier meals breakfast and lunch will give you preferred seating to one of the earlier concerts now don't let the package prices scare you away they are up to $70 per adult and $42 per child but there are huge differences in the price and quality among the packages here are my top two picks for the best and most affordable candlelight processional packages so the garden grill has a breakfast that is 43 dollars for adults and 27 dollars per child the garden grills all you care to eat a character meal with mickey pluto chip and dale in epcot's land pavilion and I love this breakfast. It's amazing. If you can get one of the first breakfast reservations, like David mentioned in his question, you will also get to ride Soren before the park opens, which is a huge perk, in addition to the great food, and you'll get your candlelight processional preferred seating. So that is a great option 
for one of the packages. My other choice would be Beer Garden Lunch, which is $44 for adult and $25 for child. It is great food, has a great atmosphere. They do a special holiday oompa-pa band show, which is really fun and festive. And it's one of the lowest cost packages for the Candlelight Processional. So last year, these packages became available for booking on June 30th. And because the dining packages are popular, they do book up very quickly. So mark your calendar, be ready to book your holiday meal in the middle of summer because we're talking Walt Disney World and we're all nuts here. (laughs) Okay, or you could have a travel agent keep an eye on it for you if you book your trip with a travel agent. And I recommend Destinations in Florida. You can get a link to their site on the blog. If you can't get a package at the Garden Grill or Beer Garden, here's a few other alternatives that are on the cheap end and have great food. Via Napoli lunch is $54 for adults and $20 for child. Restaurant Marrakesh lunch is 50 adult, 21 child. And Spice Road Table lunch is 50 adult, 21 child. These are good food, low prices for the dining package. And keep in mind, these are the prices from last year since they have not been released yet this year. Expect they might go up by a few bucks. So to finally answer David's question, The dining packages are a separate dining reservation. So making a regular reservation at Garden Grill is not going to help you at all. Again, just watch around June 30th for these packages to come out and make a note to check dining availability around then. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope you like the show. And if you do, you can rate and review it in iTunes or even better recommend it to a friend who you think would like it. You can find me at thebudgetmouse.com, thefrugalsouth.com. You can find me at Instagram at thebudgetmouse, which is my Disney only feed there. Or the best thing to do is to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group called The Budget Mouse. You can find it just by searching for The Budget Mouse on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And I hope you have a magical day.